Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. Break that down. Break down that you don't have to be wrong to repent, because to me, that feels like the dying itself, because I know I had to die to self when I even just heard it. It was annoying to me. I'm like, this can't <laughs> be true. This is a lie. This is false doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's easy to hold on to our own opinions and our own, you know, own thoughts. And I think it's especially easy for us, you know, if we've been if we've had something embedded in us for, you know, for a lifetime and it, it's even carried over from probably the posture that we had, you know, with family of origin issues that have held us in captivity. And I know in my family, there was a very strong I mean, it was a it was just a kind of a stubborn willfulness that was, you know, that was really there. And so God had to go after some of the deeper issues, you know, in my heart. But I realized, and I think both Jim and I realized that, you know, we could have maybe the right, we could have said maybe the right thing, but the attitude that we said it in or the the tone of voice that we said it in was, was wrong. And so in order for us to begin to get the, you know, rubble off the runway, we had to just repent and clear up like, you know what, I w- I need to repent because my attitude and my, you know, tone of voice, even in how I communicated with you really was not, it was not godly. And find, can you find it in your heart to forgive me? And we had to go down that path quite a few times because there was a subtle piece that had been woven into the fabric of both of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't realize the subtlety of it, but when God pointed it out that we even would communicate shaming messages to each other, maybe even, you know, just a nonverbal one. And when God put the spotlight on that, oh, it was a huge, it was a huge awareness that we were woken up to that even the words that we said or the you know like again the tone of voice or attitudes that we would uh, speak to each other would be a shaming message and so god took us to the god took us to the place where we realized that we needed we needed to have a, uh, an exit plan from that and and it was tell, tell them how tell them the exit plan the lord gave us it was so simple and yet it was you know hard to go to sometimes but the lord showed us that if we if, if we felt, you know, e- either one of us felt like we were expressing a shaming message, we agreed that we would be able to point that out. And immediately, you would you would be able to as the one who, you know, was the one who was shaming the other, you could say, well, what did I, you know, what did I do or say that because sometimes we're clueless. We don't even know. What give, we're an ex- give an example. Give an example of a shaming yeah. message, Eva. Give us a shaming messages. Yeah. You know, for me, I think sometimes it'd be like, you know, well, well, what'd you do that for? You know, just because it's not a, it's not a real helpful question. It's more of a statement, right? That's more of a judgment than it is a exactly. And so when that's communicated, and that message, you know, hits, you know, hits on a deep level in our spouse, mm-hmm. we were able to exit from this whole, you know, this whole pattern of shame by giving each other permission to point it out. And we agreed ahead of time that no matter what it was that, you know, that had been said or, you know, action that had been taken, that we would, we would acknowledge, we would say, I don't want to shame you. Will you please forgive me? Because I really want to be able to bless you. I want that to be in place of, you know, of, 
me shaming you. And so we would repent and, and, and it was, it was a, it took us a, a season to get through it. That's heavy. That's heavy. Can you talk about the, a little bit about the, the problems with the, cause someone who this may be their first time hearing it as a listener, because they're, everything's going right with their business. Their business is flourishing. They feel that things are going well, but it just seems like their marriage is, is very challenging for them. And they, if this is their first time hearing about even shame. What are some indicators of what people are feeling when they're feeling shame? What does that look like? Well, I think the basic definition that we have kind of gone with, the, the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. Wow. And so when we feel shamed, it's like I'm stuck. I'm like, I'm a loser. I'll never measure up. I am inadequate. And... Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it's that feeling of almost hopelessness when you keep hearing it, that you're never, you're never going to amount to anything. Wow. And, and that is, that is not the, uh, the plan and identity that God has for us. It's opposite. Shame is the opposite of glory. And God has plans for us, mm -hmm. uh, wonderful plans for us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, dumping uh, and and i know andre regarding that book you don't have to be wrong to repent i read it the first time and threw it back at her and i said stupid book <laughs> i'm like that's that's pathetic and then she said would you read it again <laughs> so i read it again and i'm like oh maybe there is something and i read it the third time and i'd like to think i cried but i probably didn't and uh, then i began to realize you know what? I was many times right. And also because I had a male chauvinist attitude, I felt that no matter what I said, I was, you know, you need to consider my point of view because I am the leader. And, uh, you know, that doesn't go over good. That no, even, even, even 40 years ago, that wasn't going over good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've changed since then, but, um, you know, and so it was kind of fun to, uh, you know, get a breakthrough in this whole thing about shame, because it really actually what we say is we went on another honeymoon, took about six, six months to get there. And then we were so enjoying each other. We even had some of our good friends accusing us of just being in love with each other because it was like we just had a new day. We, we were not being critical. We were not putting each other down. OK, so Brent, so good. That's a good that's a good that's a good point. I want you to. So let's unpack that. Give that as a tool in a practical me method of, OK, because you identify what shame was. Then you shared about how she started realizing that hey, some of the times we're communicating these shame-based messages, but could you do a, could you almost do a role play for, a, for a, a viewer that is now just finding out about this? But first off, let's do this. How can they deal with personal shame? So that, that they're walking around and they like, they now they properly, you properly identify that what it is that they're carrying is like, man, that's why I feel like trash is because I do feel like, you know, I am that or I am the mistake, right? You get what I'm saying? Can you help somebody? How would they deal with that on a personal level first before they even start looking at their spouse and talking to them about, you need to stop giving me shame messages. You get what I'm saying? How do they yeah. deal with it personally? Well, I think in order to, to, to go you know, down into a personal um, uh, level is we need to identify the, where the lie is because there's a lie 
numerous times we will be we will be adversely affected because we believed a lie we be we believed a lie about ourselves we believed a lie about our spouse we believed a lie you know in in many many areas when the enemy gets in the gate to begin then to you know to um basically he begins to take that and and destroy and really destroy so he comes to steal kill and destroy give us. an example of a lie for instance, one of the lies I believed, I was really inadequate. And, uh, and honestly, for a long time, until re more recently, I didn't realize how emotionally I was inadequate in meeting her emotional needs and being emotionally connected. I really didn't. I didn't get it. And, um, and so I really felt inadequate. And that was a really big thing. And then I, and so then how do we turn that around? Well, the turning around point, but for me, many times I believed the lie that Jim didn't really love me because when something would happen, when there was some kind of strife or conflict, you know, I would just feel like I was the victim. He doesn't really love me. He doesn't really care. He doesn't really want, he doesn't even want to step into my world. He doesn't want to be there for me, which were all lies. That was, that was not truth. And so, so that, I think that weaves into many of our hearts um, where the shame message can take up, you know, take up residence. And so identify um, the lie first. Yes. Yes. Huge. That's a huge place. And if you can begin to do that and dismantle that lie, that will that will help you to move forward in a in a much more much more rapid. So give way. us a practical way of how you how you begin to replace that lie with the truth. How did you how did you uncover what the truth was versus the lie? Well, for me, I know what I had to do was I had to just I had to ask the Lord to you know just cleanse that, you know, cleanse that off of my life so that, you know, so there wasn't a landing strip for the enemy to come with, you know, bringing, you know, bringing that me into that, you know, place. And so when we acknowledge that we have believed a lie and we've, you know, and we've confessed that before the Lord, we want the Lord then to, to do the exchange where we can have the exchange of truth coming into, you know, into the place of where we believe the lie. So what I, what I have seen is when I begin to I began to speak who Jim even is through the lens of how I began to see him through the word of God. And then it's like, no, he, it, he doesn't, he doesn't not love me. He, he has, he has the love of God in his heart for me and he's in my corner and began to just speak affirmation of who, who he is to me that will dispel, you know, it'll, it'll just dispel the lie, you know, platform because we need to have the truth in exchange for the lie. So that's what helped me. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I would just add the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It talks about we have renounced the things hidden because of shame. And then it goes on to talk about that. You can dig it out yourself in whatever version. This is the New American Standard. But it goes on, not walking in craftiness, adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth. So replacing the truth, replacing uh, the lie with truth is huge, yeah, Andre. It is. Uh, that, that really is because then you begin to really understand who you are, mm -hmm. who God's created you to be. You have a calling and a gifting and you have a purpose in life. And mm -hmm. 
to really begin to believe that and not believe the lies begins to change you on the inside. That's good. Yeah. Good. Good. So the so it's that's powerful strategy because so you hit with the um, the shame on a on a personal level. Now, now when it comes to on a couples, because I I I feel I just feel some something on this conversation about this because there are a lot of people that haven't first off even been able to identify that it was shame. They just feel like I I, don't, I always feel like I'm just blowing it. I just I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it in my marriage. It's not going to get better. That's what people say. Like that's a lie that's repeated in their heart, and they're not seeing it as well. First off, there's a there's you know people say uh, said this thing, and now I say it to people is that. Uh, what is it? When there is confusion, that means that a deceiver is present. So when there's confusion about your identity, that means the deceiver is present. He is keeping something from you that is going to liberate you into who God really made you to be. And um, I, so unpack that now of where can they go as a couple to not just be first off the shame that that's almost like that ankle biter that got injury. And now there's strife in the two of them because they think that, well, we're just both incompatible. That's what you hear people say is that, well, we just, we love one another, but we just grew out of that. And, and no disrespect to, you know, if you're watching this and you have ended your marriage and, and different, whatever phase of life you're in, I'm not, there's no judgment, no shame, no condemnation. I'm just saying that I've seen people who I knew if they would have put some work in just throw things away and we have a throwaway culture. So can you kind of hit on how to stay out of that strife thing, that moving from that shame to the strife thing? Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.